Chapter 2 And now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of speaking the words which had been delivered unto him by the angel of the Lord, that he cast his eyes round about on the multitude, and behold, they had fallen to the earth, for the fear of the Lord had come upon them, and they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried aloud with one voice, saying, O have mercy, and apply the atoning blood of Christ, that we may receive forgiveness of our sins, and our hearts may be purified. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things, who shall come down among the children of men. And it came to pass that after they had spoken these words, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and they were filled with joy, having received a remission of their sins, and having peace of conscience, because of the exceeding faith which they had in Jesus Christ which should come, according to the words which King Benjamin had spoken unto them. And King Benjamin again opened his mouth, and began to speak unto them, saying, my friends and my brethren, my kindred and my people, I would again call your attention that ye may hear and understand the remainder of my words which I shall speak unto you. For behold, that if the knowledge of the goodness of God at this time hath awakened you to a sense of your nothingness and your worthless and fallen state, I say unto you that if ye have come to a knowledge of the goodness of God and his matchless power and his wisdom and his patience and his long suffering towards the children of men and also the atonement which hath been prepared from the foundation of the world that thereby salvation might come to him that should put his trust in the Lord and should be diligent in keeping his commandments and continue in the faith even unto the end of his life, I mean the life of the mortal body, I say that this is the man that receiveth salvation through the atonement which was prepared from the foundation of the world for all mankind, which ever were, ever since the fall of Adam, or which are, or which ever shall be, even unto the end of the world, and this is the means whereby salvation cometh. And there is none other salvation save this which hath been spoken of, neither are there any conditions whereby man can be saved, except the conditions which I have told you. Believe in God, believe that He is, and that He created all things, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that He hath all wisdom and all power, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that man doth not comprehend all the things which the Lord can comprehend. And again, believe that ye must repent of your sins and forsake them and humble yourselves before God and ask in sincerity of heart that He would forgive you. And now if you believe all these things, see that ye do them. And again I say unto you, as I have said before, that as ye have come to the knowledge of the glory of God, or if ye have known of his goodness, and have tasted of his love, and have received a remission of your sins, which causeth such exceeding great joy in your souls, even so I would that ye should remember, and always retain in remembrance, the greatness of God, and your own nothingness, and his goodness and long-suffering towards you unworthy creatures." and humble yourselves even in the depths of humility, calling on the name of the Lord daily, and standing steadfastly in the faith of that which is to come, which was spoken by the mouth of the angel. And behold, I say unto you, that if ye do this, ye shall always rejoice, and be filled with the love of God, and always retain a remission of your sins. And ye shall grow in the knowledge of the glory of him that created you, or in the knowledge of that which is just and true. 
And ye will not have a mind to injure one another, but to live peaceably, and to render to every man according to that which is his due. And ye will not suffer your children that they go hungry or naked. Neither will ye suffer that they transgress the laws of God, and fight and quarrel one with another, and serve the devil which is the master of sin, or which is the evil spirit which hath been spoken of by our fathers, he being an enemy to all righteousness. But ye will teach them to walk in the ways of truth and soberness. Ye will teach them to love one another and to serve one another. And also ye yourselves will succor those that stand in need of your succor. Ye will administer of your substance unto him that standeth in need. And ye will not suffer that the beggar putteth up his petition to you in vain, and turn him out to perish. Perhaps thou shalt say, The man hath brought upon himself his misery. Therefore I will stay my hand, and will not give unto him of my food, nor impart unto him of my substance, that he may not suffer, for his punishments are just. But I say unto you, O man, whosoever doeth this, the same hath great cause to repent. And except he repenteth of that which he hath done, he perisheth for ever, and hath no interest in the kingdom of God. For behold, are we not all beggars? Do we not all depend upon the same being, even God, for all the substance which we have, for both food and raiment, and for gold and for silver, and for all the riches which we have of every kind? And behold, even at this time ye have been calling on his name, and begging for a remission of your sins. And hath he suffered that ye have begged in vain? Nay, he hath poured out his Spirit upon you, and hath caused that your hearts should be filled with joy, and hath caused that your mouths should be stopped, that ye could not find utterance, so exceeding great was your joy. And now, if God, who hath created you, on whom you are dependent for your lives, and for all that ye have and are, doth grant unto you whatsoever ye ask that is right, in faith, believing that ye shall receive, O then how had ye ought to impart of your substance that ye have one to another? And if ye judge the man who putteth up his petition to you for your substance, that he perish not and condemn him, how much more just will be your condemnation for withholding your substance, which doth not belong to you but to God, to whom also your life belongeth? And yet ye put up no petition, nor repenteth not of the thing which thou hast done. I say unto you, Woe be unto that man, for his substance shall perish with him. And now I say these things unto those which are rich, as pertaining to the things of this world. And again I say unto the poor, Ye that have not, and yet have sufficient, that ye remain from day to day. I mean all you that deny the beggar, because ye have not. I would that ye say in your hearts that I give not, because I have not. But if I had, I would give. And now if ye say this in your hearts, ye remain guiltless. Otherwise ye are condemned, and your condemnation is just, for ye covet that which ye have not received. And now for the sake of these things which I have spoken unto you, that is, for the sake of retaining a remission of your sins from day to day, that ye may walk guiltless before God, I would that ye should impart of your substance to the poor, every man according to that which he hath, such as feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, and administering to their relief, both spiritually and temporally, according to their wants. And see that all these things are done in wisdom and order, for it is not requisite that a man should run faster than what he hath strength. 
And again it is expedient that he should be diligent, that thereby he might win the prize. Therefore all things must be done in order. And I would that ye should remember, that whosoever among you that borroweth of his neighbor should return the thing that he borroweth according as he doth agree, or else thou shalt commit sin, and perhaps thou shalt cause thy neighbor to commit sin also. And finally I cannot tell you all the things whereby ye may commit sin, for there are diverse ways and means, even so many that I cannot number them. But this much I can tell you, that if ye do not watch yourselves, and your thoughts, and your words, and your deeds, and observe to keep the commandments of God, and continue in the faith of what ye have heard concerning the coming of our Lord, even unto the end of your lives, ye must perish. And now, O man, remember, and perish not. Chapter 3 And now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had thus spoken to his people, he sent among them, desiring to know of his people if they believed the words which he had spoken unto them. And they all cried with one voice, saying, Yea, we believe all the words which thou hast spoken unto us. And also we know of their surety and truth, because of the Spirit of the Lord Omnipotent, which hath wrought a mighty change in us, or in our hearts, that we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. And we ourselves also, through the infinite goodness of God, and the manifestations of His Spirit, have great views of that which is to come, and were it expedient we could prophesy of all things." And it is the faith which we have had on the things which our king hath spoken unto us, and hath brought us to this great knowledge, whereby we do rejoice with such exceeding great joy. And we are willing to enter into a covenant with our God, to do his will, and to be obedient to his commandments in all things that he shall command us, all the remainder of our days, that we may not bring upon ourselves a never-ending torment, as has been spoken by the angel, that we may not drink out of the cup of the wrath of God. And now these are the words which King Benjamin desired of them, and therefore he said unto them, Ye have spoken the words that I desired, and the covenant which ye have made is a righteous covenant. And now because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. For behold, this day he hath spiritually begotten you, for ye say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name, therefore ye are born of him, and have become his sons and his daughters. And under this head ye are made free, and there is no other head whereby ye can be made free. There is no other name given whereby salvation cometh. Therefore I would that ye should take upon you the name of Christ, all you that have entered into the covenant with God, that ye should be obedient unto the end of your lives. And it shall come to pass that whosoever doeth this shall be found at the right hand of God, for he shall know the name by which he is called, for he shall be called by the name of Christ. And now it shall come to pass that whosoever shall not take upon them the name of Christ shall be called by some other name, therefore he findeth himself on the left hand of God. And I would that ye should remember also that this is the name that I said I should give unto you, that never should be blotted out except it be through transgression. Therefore take heed that ye do not transgress, that the name be not blotted out of your hearts." I say unto you, I would that ye should remember to retain the name written always in your hearts, that ye are not found on the left hand of God, but that ye hear and know the voice by which ye shall be called, and also the name by which he shall call you. 
For how knoweth a man the master which he hath not served, and which is a stranger unto him, and is far from the thoughts and intents of his heart? And again doth the man take an ass which belongeth to his neighbor, and keep him? I say unto you, Nay, he will not even suffer that he shall feed among his flocks, but will drive him away and cast him out. I say unto you that even so shall it be among you, if ye know not the name by which ye are called. Therefore I would that ye should be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in good works, that Christ the Lord God omnipotent may seal you his, that you may be brought to heaven, that ye may have everlasting salvation and eternal life, through the wisdom and power and justice and mercy of him who created all things in heaven and in earth, who is God above all. Amen. Chapter 4 And now King Benjamin thought it was expedient, after having finished speaking to the people, that he should take the names of all those who had entered into a covenant with God to keep his commandments. And it came to pass that there was not one soul, except it were little children, but what had entered into the covenant, and had taken upon them the name of Christ. And again it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of all these things, and had consecrated his son Mosiah to be a ruler and a king over his people, and had given him all the charges concerning the kingdom, and also had appointed priests to teach the people, and thereby they might hear and know the commandments of God, and to stir them up in remembrance of the oath which they had made, he dismissed the multitude, and they returned, every one according to their families, to their own houses. And Mosiah began to reign in his father's stead. And he began to reign in the thirtieth year of his age, making in the whole about four hundred and seventy-six years from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem. And King Benjamin lived three years, and he died. And it came to pass that King Mosiah did walk in the ways of the Lord, and did observe his judgments and his statutes, and did keep his commandments in all things whatsoever he commanded him. And King Mosiah did cause his people that they should till the earth, and he also himself did till the earth, that thereby he might not become burthensome to his people, that he might do according to that which his father had done in all things. And there was no contention among all his people for the space of three years. Pressure all around me saying, Go ahead, give in. Save your soul for another day Struggling between the enemy and the one only true friend I'm finding it hard not to slip away But then I hear you softly calling out my name Come unto me And are heavy laden And I will give you rest Take my yoke 
unto your souls. All right, chapters two, three, and four. This is the end of King Benjamin and his portion of the Book of Mormon. And kind of sad to see him go. I really uh, appreciate his uh, the story, his story, his uh, his part in the Book of Mormon. So I'm going to start with the verses I have highlighted. I'm going to start with chapter 2, verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. And they all cried aloud with one voice, saying, Oh, have mercy and apply the atoning blood of Christ, that we may receive forgiveness of our sins and our hearts may be purified. And then especially chapter 4. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things, who shall come down among the children of men. Uh, Heaven and earth and all things. Who shall come down among the children of men? And it came to pass that after they had spoken these words, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and they were filled with joy, having received a remission of their sins, and having peace of conscience because of their exceeding faith, which they had in Jesus Christ, who should come according to the words which King Benjamin had spoken unto them. So I like that it was it was his preaching that that uh, inspired them and, and brought gave them faith and then caused them to or was the catalyst for them to to uh, commit themselves and, and crying aloud the voice saying have mercy and apply that atoning blood of Christ and here's the thing I think is interesting so they had faith in Jesus Christ who would come and even though. It was a long time ago, and it was before his first coming. It's it's similar, and 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 to what we have today. When we get baptized, we have faith in Jesus who who has come and who will come again. And so we're kind of in the same boat. We're we're having faith in Christ who shall come. And I think it's no matter what, whether you came before Christ or or after Christ, and you have the scriptures of his coming, you're still. Uh, caused to have faith and it is it is through faith that that this is the the beginning or the or the i I just think it's neat that that christ hasn't come yet and they believe in him and that is that is what is uh what we're all talking about that's what baptism is about and that's what a lot of this chapter these chapters two and three are talking about is baptism and they had they had the the gist of it. They understood it and they understood it of a, a covenant and, and what happens of the consequences. You receive a remission of your sins and you have peace of conscience and it's because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so what, what happens when you get baptized, right? Your sins are, are forgiven and your, your belief in Christ is what, what does that? It, it is the, and, and there's more to it, but uh, I like verse four because it, this is showing they're talking about Christ who should come. And it's almost like our day to day where we're believing that he has come, but that he's also going to still come again. My next verses I have are 10. Wow. 10 through uh, 17 are highlighted and we're going to stop at 12. So 10 through 12 first, and also the atonement, which has been prepared from the foundation of the world, that thereby salvation might come to him that should put his trust in the Lord and should be diligent in keeping his commandments and continue in the faith even unto the end of his life, 
I mean the life of the mortal body. I say that this is the man who receiveth salvation through the atonement, which was prepared from the foundation of the world for all mankind, which ever were ever since the fall of Adam, or who are or whoever shall be, even unto the end of the world. And this is the means whereby salvation cometh. And so I guess nine should be included too. Um, and there's none other salvation. So now I'm on 12 and there's none other salvation save this, which hath been spoken of. Neither are there any conditions whereby man can be saved except the condition conditions, which I have told you. So nine is you believe in God and t- which I didn't read that part. Uh, and then 10 is believe in this atonement of Christ. So I should have included nine through 12. And then this is it. And 11 says, this is what we're talking about. This is how you receive salvation. Nine is believing in God and 10 is, is Christ as the atonement. And if you can understand that God is good and that's kind of what verse nine is talking about and that Christ is the atonement that should come to the world from and been prepared since the foundation of the world. 11 explains that this is what we're talking about for salvation. And there's no other way. And then there's a there's a pastor of the East Local who loves and continues and will probably for the rest of his life be quoting 13 through 17. And and everybody should have this highlighted. Believe in God. Believe that he is and that he created all things, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that he has all wisdom and all power, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that man doth not comprehend all the things which the Lord can comprehend. And again, believe that you must repent of your sins and forsake them and humble yourselves before God and ask in sincerity of heart that he would forgive you. Now, all these all these parts say believe in verse 13, it starts to believe. Verse 14 starts to believe. Verse 15, it starts to believe. And verse 16, it says, and again, believe. So, so it's, you know, believe, 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 believe. And then verse 17, and now if you believe all these things, see that you do them. That's your bumper sticker verse. And and the it, it encapsulates it right that, that's the 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 best part of it if you believe all these things see that you do them that's the that's the hard part but it but if you go down the steps believe in god that he is and he created you and created all things both in heaven and earth believe that he you know that's that's where it starts right when you go through apologetics you have to begin at the beginning that god is and that's a pretty important step and it seems so, so basic. You know, if you're, if you're raised in the church, if you're raised uh, all your, your life since a child to believe that God is, it's not such a hard reach, but that's hard for some people. That's the, but that's the first step. Do you believe that there is good and evil? Do you believe that there is a God that is inherently, you know, that is good, that, that good exists. If there is good somewhere, it must belong to God. He is good. And so let's just call, let's stop calling him G O D. Let's just call him good. You know, he doesn't need to have the, the label of anything else other than he is good. And let's believe that it exists out there. Now let's believe that he's good and he has all wisdom and all power, both in heaven and earth. And, and let's, he is good. Well, we're going to name him God and he is all powerful and hath all wisdom that these are things that we have to believe. And then the next part is believe that we can't comprehend all the things which this good God who, who has all wisdom and power can understand. We don't understand it. That, that is a, a humble part of it. But it seems pretty easy to to take into that role and and step into that. Believe that there is good, that there is a power that has has the uh, ability to to uh, uh, that is beyond us, 
and that we cannot comprehend it. And then believe that ye must repent of your sins. So now we're getting into doctrine and, 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 and what, what does it take, right? You have to repent of your sins, forsake them and humble yourselves before God and ask in sincerity of heart that he would forgive you. If you can get to that point, you know, that, that's another big step of, of understanding your own, uh, um, guilt, your own, uh, uh, maybe not guilt, but your own separation from this good God, this being that has all power. But if you believe it's out there, then submit and humble yourselves before him and humble yourselves before God and ask for forgiveness. And, and it says, if you believe all these things, you got to do that. That's the step one, right? You know, have faith in that's this power, believe that there's something good out there. And, and, you know, I would say, test it. Give it a shot. Give it a chance. Let it let it uh, have an effect on you. If you believe all these things, do them. And then we're going to move on to to uh, uh, 20 through 23. And we're going to get more of the story and and not just believe that he is there and that he is good and he exists and he has power and that you need to submit to him. But now we get more of the story. Even so, I would that ye should remember and always retain in, rem- in remembrance the greatness of God and your own nothingness and his goodness and long suffering towards you unworthy creatures and humble yourselves even in the depths of humility, calling on the name of the Lord daily and standing steadfastly in the faith of that which is to come, which was spoken by the mouth of the angel. And behold, I say unto you that if ye do this, ye shall always rejoice and be filled with the love of God and always retain a remission of your sins. And here's the part I really like. If, if, you've, if you have humbled yourselves in the depths of humility, if you're calling on the Lord name of the Lord daily and standing steadfastly in faith, be humble, pray, and believe that and have faith in that which is to come, that the scriptures are true, that there is prophecies that, that have come true and you can build a, a, an evidence for and have faith in that which is to come. Verse 23. Ye shall grow in the knowledge of the glory of him that created you or in the knowledge of that which is just and true. And so that's kind of my, my focus and my goal, man, I want to understand. I want to, you know, the, the mysteries of God, if you will, that talks the way, uh, that's how it explains it in other places, but you will grow in the knowledge and glory of him that created you. If you do those things, <clears throat> the next couple verses we're not, we're not skipping any. We're going to go right into verse 24 and I tie, I have verse 24 in green and I have verse 29 in green, 29, 30, 31. But in the middle of those, I have verses 25 through 27 in a different color. They're in blue. I'm going to read verse 24 and you will not have a mind to injure one another, but to live peaceably and to render to every man according to that, which is good. And, and so let's jump to 29 and you will not suffer Oh, no, no. So that's a different thought. So, so I like that section of it, 24 by itself. And, and it's kind of like you will, I don't know. It's how it's one aspect of of how to, and I I use this section to teach my kids, right? You will not have a mind to injure one another. And the, 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 these are, I'm really stumbling over my words, probably going to edit a lot of this out. Um, but we just read about how you grow in the knowledge of God and him that created you. And you'll have knowledge of what is just and true. 
And if you have a knowledge of what is just and true, you will not have a mind to injure one another. And my mind goes to a service I was in where the, the, it, it was a business meeting for our, our church and people wanted, we gave a chance for people to voice their displeasure. Uh, we, we, I say the leadership of the church gave a chance for people to voice their displeasure. And what came out of that was, was people in with the mind to injure one another and it ought not to have happened. And I didn't understand why at the time that so many people just kept their mouths shut and didn't, uh, stand up for themselves or take a chance to, 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 uh, and and I understand now because if they had, it would have just created conflict and contention. It would have made it worse, right? People needed a chance to express their displeasure and their grief, and th- there was a wise purpose for it. And and I understand why now, but I didn't understand why that no one defended themselves. But they needed to let people give their voice and, and voice their their heart, and. And now understand that took a very mature mind and a very mature uh, um, uh, mindset and understanding of, and it took a knowledge of that which is just and true to allow that to happen and not, and not try to fight back, not try to contend with what was being said. And so there's, there's a, 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 I don't know. There's a, there's an understanding or a light bulb that goes off like grew light bulb. And it goes off in my head when I read that and it's like, well, you don't have a mind to injure one another. How many times do I get upset and frustrated and I want to, you know, give them a piece of my mind or that's not right. Or I don't like your beliefs. They're not the way I believe. And you don't have the right to force them on me. And, and that's not right. You don't, shouldn't have a mind to injure one another. Not, not with, uh, I know this is like, going to fisticuffs, but I'm, I'm talking even contending with each other. If you have a knowledge of that, which is just and true, this won't happen. This won't exist if you have that maturity. And so now this is why I'm talking. And I use this for talking with my children verses 25 through 27. You will not suffer your children that they go hungry or naked. Neither will you suffer that they transgress the laws of God and fight and quarrel one with another and serve the devil who is the master of sin or who is the evil spirit which hath been spoken of by our fathers, he being an enemy to all righteousness. But you will teach them to walk in the ways of truth and soberness. You will teach them to love one another and to serve one another. That's a hard lesson, you know, for an immature mind. And I, I, I could see how if this... In my mind, what I'm thinking back this event, I see that this was uh, an opportunity for the at what I recognize now is that I think I witnessed an opportunity for the leadership of the church to show the church this is what ought to be done. This is what how you should deal with this, uh, and we're giving you a chance to to voice your displeasure. And, and it's almost like, do you understand what is happening, and and do you get that we're not here for this? There's something higher. There's a better reason. There's a better way. And if you have a mind to injure one another, you're only serving, well, an enemy. You're you're making yourself an enemy to righteous, all righteousness. You're serving that enemy of all righteousness. So, I don't know when I think when I read these verses, that's what comes to mind. This is how I teach my kids, and it it's a way to help uh, an immature soul, an immature mind, comprehend and take steps towards the the 
the maturity that is required to to talk to what that is talked about in verses 21 22 and 23 to grow in the knowledge and glory of, of god of him that created you and the knowledge of that which is just and true so now we're off to new new and in two verses later we're on to a different subject and king benjamin has spent his life being a servant king he has spent his, his time not being someone who who uh, taxes his people and then and you know stays in his posh palace and he has bubble baths and, and, and you know, I don't know what I'm saying has a jacuzzi uh, but he's out there working in the fields and he made a, a life of of being a servant king and we've seen ample evidence of that and here's what he says about uh, your substance about your riches and and beggars. And I'm not going to read all of it. It's 29 through. Now oh, I am. All right. So I am going to read. Uh, let's start with verse 29. And you will not suffer that the beggar putteth up his petition to you in vain and turn him out to perish. Perhaps thou shalt say the man has brought upon himself his misery. Therefore, I will stay my hand and will not give unto him of my food, nor impart unto him of my substance that he may not suffer for his punishments are just. But I say unto you, O man, whosoever doeth this, the same hath great cause to repent. And except he repenteth of that which he hath done, he perisheth forever and hath no interest in the kingdom of God. So when I read this, I see uh, the first part, like I have it all highlighted, but I have lines underlined and turn him out to perish. There's like a category here of let me let me clarify here. I, I see how it'd be easy to classify and categorize who we should give our uh, 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 our um, money to or, or help beggars. If the beggar is ready to die, well, maybe then he does deserve it. And so you can't. And so I see that it, it's written in there and turn him out to perish. If this happens, if you are if that's your your qualifications, I think you're missing the point here. Because I, I, I think also in verse 37, uh, and if you judge the man who putteth up his petition to you for your substance, that he perish not and condemn him, how much more just will be your condemnation? So there's this, that he perish not, like if you don't give it to him, he's going to die and you condemn him to death by not giving of your money. You know, I think all of us, when we see somebody in those dire straits, we will, it would be obvious this man needs something. Uh, this man, this woman, this child, any, you know, of, of course, children where everybody loves helping children, but it's the man who you, you assume they're here because they deserve it. They've here because of their actions, their choices brought them to this point. And I, for a long time, I have believed that I believe this is America. This is a place where we have opportunity and it's written if you you will be blessed if you serve god if you don't serve god you will be cursed for your your actions there and that's everywhere that's not just in america but that's especially true in america and so i think man this it, it you could say they bring it on themselves but i want to before i read verse 32 i want to jump to another verse and the verse is hold on Okay, the verse is Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. And this is, this is hard to read. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, 
If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You know, this is Jesus Christ begging for God to let this cup pass. And so with that in mind, you know, let's go to verse 32 and continue in the book of Mormon. For behold, are we not all beggars? Do we not all depend upon the same being, even God, even Christ? You know, he depended upon God and he was petitioning God. He was begging and praying, let this pass. Uh, For all the substance which we have, both food and raiment and for gold and for silver and for all the riches which we have of every kind. I just, I can't stop. I got to stop reading me and I get my leg. My, it's hard to read. But when you read that and say, for behold, are we not all beggars? King Benjamin understood this. And later we, we have this example in Matthew where Christ was begging. So you cannot say that that man brought it upon himself. Christ did not bring upon the sins of the world upon himself because of his actions. And if he is our example, what better, uh, illustration, right? You, we cannot judge those men, those people in their, in their situation. And so let's go to verse 36. Now 36 and 37, I have highlighted. And now if God who created you on whom you are dependent for your lives and for all that ye have and are doth grant unto you whatsoever ye ask that is right and faith believing that ye shall receive. Oh, then how had ye ought to impart of the substance that ye have one to another. And if ye judge the man who putteth up his petition to you for your substance that he perish not and condemn him, how much more just will be your condemnation for withholding your substance which doth not belong to you, but to God, to whom also your life belongeth. Those are, those are, you know, for a while, for a time, I would read these and I'd say, well, there's qualifications here. This man, if I don't give it to him, he's going to die. That's an easy way of saying, okay, I can definitely make this decision to help this guy. But that guy over there on the corner who, I just, I'm not sure if he's not going to take this money and go buy drugs with it or go buy cigarettes with it or just go buy alcohol with it. You know, that I can't support those life decisions with, and I don't want to support those life decisions with my money. You know, it just, it seems wrong to give them money. And, and I, and I understand that there, there are times where, where you have to let the spirit guide you and, and, and put you influence you whether 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 you should or should not and i'm not going to be the one that is the judge <coughs> you are your own judge and at the and and i can understand somebody who says you should never say no i understand that point of view i'm not telling you that i don't always give but i understand better that we should not be judging the person and when, when I read this also, it's, there seems to be a, a bit of a, you could even qualify this, that and even says it somewhere. I'm talking to you that are rich of things of this world. And he kind of says, if you have and you can, then you had better, right? You had better give. If you don't have, you should be saying in your heart, if I could, I would. And those, that's an easy way to, to, to judge it. But how many of us are in the gray area? You know, are we rich? Are we, you know... Do we own uh, uh, shares of uh, Apple and, and are billionaires and are the, the 
most elite uber rich. You know, you could say in America, we're not rich compared to other Americans. In America, those people who are standing on the corners, they have plenty of opportunities and places. If you pay your taxes, how much of that money goes to places that support and serve our hungry and our needy? So you are already giving to some extent just by being a part of American culture and serving and and paying taxes here we take care of our own we have programs some of them uh, uh you know our programs we don't necessarily uh, uh appreciate that our government supports but they exist and so you can rationalize all you want and you can say you know i, I don't i it's hard i'm not going to make any judgments this is really tough for me uh, i think as i receive blessings of god and I kind of and I think you can prove this in other places that if you give, then God will give back to you even more. So you can be the the chance for that person to see the, the light of Christ. And for doing that, Christ will then reward you again. And so th- there's plenty of reasons to give. There are, are bunches of them. And, and I'm going to turn to another one here. Um, let's go to first John. Chapter 3, verse 17. And let's read. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? So it's kind of calling us out. If you have and you do not give, where is the love of God in you? It doesn't exist. And so it's kind of a warning sign. If you are not giving of your substance when you can, you had better check yourself. And so this, and it's a message to me, this, and King Benjamin has, is uh, calling out to the people of his kingdom to do this. And he says in verse 39, I say unto you, woe be unto that man for his substance shall perish with him. And now I say these things unto those who are rich as pertaining to things of this world. If you have, and you don't give, you are not being an accurate example of the light of Christ and the love of God is not in you. And it is a warning sign. And it, and that's what I, I take from this. So let's read verse 43. I would that ye should impart of your substance to the poor, every man according to that which he hath, such as feeding the hungry. So this isn't just, now the, what I like about this, this isn't just the people that are going to die, like in verse 37, that he perished not, and now you haven't given to him, so now he's you've condemned him. Or in verse 29, and if you, you turn him out to perish. No, in verse 43, it gives better examples. Uh, that you should impart of your substance to the poor, every man according to that which he hath, such as feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, and administering to their relief, both spiritually and temporally, according to their wants. That that changes the category now. That's the whole different classification. They're not going to die. They They have wants. And now when I look at that, I think, well, they want alcohol they want cigarettes they want you know so i'm like am i supposed to support that well i don't know according to this that's on them what they do with it it's kind of like with your tithing you don't get to tell the church how to spend it 
Your, your job is not to tell God what to do with his money. And that's the same situation. This is God's money, and you are giving it to people who are in need, who have wants. Not, not that they're going to die, but they have things that they're begging for. And if they're going to beg for alcohol or, or you know, I see that you're, you're not doing them any good, but, but what choice do you have? Uh, I I see that rationale, right? There, there's other studies we could do on this, but this underlying part here, it says according to their wants. And so now uh, King Benjamin just takes the all decision out of your hands. If you can give and someone needs something or wants something spiritually or temporally, you should be giving according to what you have. And now here's the next part. I know people right now are just like, dude, dude, read verse 44, read verse 44 and see that all these things are done in wisdom and order. So I've gone from one extreme to the other and now back again. Well, now I have another caveat. They're done in wisdom and order. It is not wisdom to give an alcoholic more alcohol, is it? It's not wisdom. To, so, man, this is just a... a an enigma wrapped in uh how's that go and a, and a mystery wrapped in an enigma you know it's just what is clear here what is the direct easy answer and there isn't any it's really you know how are you led and how does your heart convict you and does the spirit of god tell you you know that's what we have to rely on and if you are guilty in your heart when you drive away from that person well guess what you know that so you are your own judge uh, verse 45, and again, it is expedient that ye, that he should be diligent, that thereby, thereby he might win the prize. Therefore, all things must be done in order. I cannot uh, take away from my own children's future to make sure that that man or that person who's begging gets what he needs. You know, I also have to take care of first my family, then my church family, and then my you know, church family goes extended around the world. And in my opinion, there's people around the world who are just as dire straits or, or who need just as much as that man, not according to their wants, but have true needs. And are we supporting them? And then if I have what is, you know, I, that's how I measure it. Then there are, you know, my chance to sh give the light of Christ, show the light of Christ to these people around me. But in any case, your heart is what convicts you. <clears throat> How many times do you think I'm not going to give this to that person who's begging? And it's, do, what do you do with it then? Do you take it home and put it in uh, money for for uh, uh, Yucatan, for the Philippines, for for Honduras? For what are you doing with that money then? If it doesn't go to them, who are you going to spend it on? And so I kind of feel convicted then that I mean I I'm not going to do that. Now I'm sitting here holding this money still, and it's it's a burden. And now I've just like man, I've got to give this money to a good cause because I didn't give it to that person, and now I've got guilt, and now it's just killing me. And 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 it, it, I shouldn't say that it's killing me. A lot of times I I drive away and I don't feel convicted, but but what did I do with that money? And so now I, I read these chapters and I, and I wish, uh, um, you know, now you're all burdened with this the way I am. Right. And I like this better when it was, wasn't in the forefront of my mind. Cause I've just been blessed so much by God recently, uh, financially, even that we know that I've got a new job and now I'm reading this, I'm up to this chapter and it's just, I don't think it's coincidence that I'm doing this study now after I'm two weeks into my new job. And so, I am convicted that I need to do good with this money that God has blessed me with. And so that I think is the overall lesson. 
in chapters two in uh, in uh, <clears throat> Book of Mosiah and King Benjamin's speech. And let's read a couple more uh, verses. Verse 48. And finally, and I like this one. And finally, I cannot tell you all the things whereby ye may commit sin, for there are diverse ways and means, even so many that I cannot number them. But this much I can tell you, that if you do not watch yourselves, and here's the part that I have, I have these highlighted, and then I have these next two phrases in different color, and your thoughts and your words. And maybe it's just me. Well, I'm sure it's just it's it's just me that it feels convicted that I have to change those colors because I need those words to jump out at me. I need them to stand out because I am guilty of this and I have not watched my words carefully and I have not watched and 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 policed my thoughts as well as I should have. And so those jump out at me. It's like you can be guilty of your thoughts. You can be guilty of your words. We live at a time when the gospel of Christ is no longer a gospel of laws and rules, but it is a gospel that convicts your heart. And Christ set it up that way because he's in there. He's working with you and in you. And this is what you are going to be judged by. Uh, so watch uh, you, that if you do not watch yourselves and your thoughts and your words and your deeds, we all understand deeds. We, we know we're going to be judged by our actions. And observe to keep the commandments of God and continue in the faith of that which ye have heard concerning the coming of our Lord, even unto the end of your lives, ye must perish. And now, O man, remember and perish not. So that's a great chapter too. So much heavy hitting stuff in that chapter. King Benjamin was was a great speaker and a great king, a great uh, uh, example to his, his people. And I really appreciate his his speech here because it has given us direction even at, in, in our day and time. So chapter three is equally as good. We're getting more of King Benjamin. And so uh, with the parts that I like about chapter three, we kind of change topics and just a little bit. And we go on to more of the beginning of chapter two. When I said uh, wh- who are these people that, and they made this commit the beginning of chapter two, they jumped and with joy in their hearts and they declared, we, we have faith in, in Jesus Christ, the son of God who shall come. And, and we're going to get back to that theme now in chapter three. And let's start with, uh, verse three. Uh, and also we know of their surety and truth. And here's the part where I have highlighted it's towards the end because of the spirit of the Lord omnipotent, which was wrought, which has wrought a mighty change in us or in our hearts that we have no more a disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. And so that, that just jumps out the page at me. Once you have made this and you believe in these things, these sayings, and, and part of what convinces you and convicts you that it is true is because you no longer have that desire to do evil. And instead, there's a, a, a disposition to do good continually and that there's a change that starts to take place in you. And, and there's a, an understanding that starts to have an effect uh, upon you. Uh, let's go to verse six. And we are willing to enter into a covenant with our God to do his will and to be obedient to his commandments in all things that he shall command us all the remainder of our days. Now, what does that sound like? That I mean, that's, that's like a baptism. It doesn't say that they were all baptized, but they, it says they were all took upon them this covenant. And and uh, I, I just you have to read that. And now let's go to Moroni chapter six. What does he say about baptism here in Moroni chapter six? 
Let's go chapter six, verse three. And none were received unto baptism, save they took upon them the name of Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end. And let's read chapter, you know, three, verse six again. So we have one in Moroni chapter six, verse three. And now we're here in Mosiah chapter three, verse six. And we are willing to enter into a covenant with our God to do his will and to be obedient to his commandments. And in all things that he shall command us all the remainder of our days. It's the same uh, qualification that, that Moroni was saying for baptism. I really enjoy, and I think that's significant that it's in two different places. Here it is before they have baptism, but they have this means where they can enter into a covenant with God and, and with Christ to serve him. And now verse eight, because of the covenant, which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. So there you have it. Uh, you're, you're, it's, it's a, a baptism. It's a covenant to, to follow Christ all their days. And it happened before Christ came. There was an understanding that King Benjamin taught that there was an understanding that the angel of the Lord delivered to the people at this time, that they believed and followed Christ and they made a covenant and they were called the, uh, the sons and daughters, the children of Christ. Um, let's go verses. I have nine through 16 and then 21 all highlighted in in chapter three. Uh, for behold, this day he hath spiritually begotten you, for ye say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name. Therefore ye are born of him and have become his sons and his daughters. Again, the baptism theme. And under the, uh, this head ye are made free, and there is no other head whereby ye can be made free. This is just a baptism chapter. There is no other name given whereby salvation cometh. Therefore, I would that ye should take upon you the name of Christ, all you that have entered into the covenant with God, that ye should be obedient unto the end of your lives. And it shall come to pass that whosoever doeth this shall be found at the right hand of God, for he shall know the name by which he is called, for he shall be called by the name of Christ. And now it shall come to pass that whosoever shall not take upon them the name of Christ shall be called by some other name. Therefore, he findeth himself on the left hand of God. And I would that you should remember also that this is the name that I have said that I said I should give unto you that never should be blotted out except to be through transgression. Therefore, take heed that ye do not transgress, that the name be not blotted out of your hearts. Back in chapter one, we, rem we remember uh, King Benjamin talking about I'm going to give you a name. And so he preaches them the the gospel of Christ in, in a way of what it takes of, to be serving this this Christ God you know all in one omnipotent Lord and and it was significant that Christ is the name even even back then even before Christ came he was set aside as an atonement for the world. Uh, uh, verse 16, and I say unto you, I would that ye should remember to retain the name written always in your hearts that ye are not found on the left hand of God, but that ye hear and know the voice by which ye shall be called and also the name by which he shall call you. We are Christians. We believe in Jesus Christ. We are taken upon his name, the name of Christ with us. And verse 21, that Christ, the Lord God omnipotent may seal you his. These are the, the, the lesson of, of, and it's a lesson of baptism uh, in that's contained in chapter three. And so let's turn to chapter four. Now we've, in my mind, chapter three was the lesson all about baptism. And we're going to read in the chapter two, uh, verse two of chapter four. And it came to pass that there was not one soul. And now I have this next section underlined, except it were little children. 
but what had entered into the covenant and taken upon them the name of Christ. We have here a simple illustration that children do not get baptized. Children do not take upon them a covenant to follow Christ. They're innocent. You cannot, you cannot make this choice until you are of a mature mind. You cannot make this decision as a child. You do not understand what you're doing. This is an adult decision that has to be made here. And it's clear that they understood this, that the, the little children were not allowed to have their names written to take it on this covenant. Cause he says uh, in the other verse that he wrote, had their names written down and there was not one soul that did not uh, enter into this covenant, but what it had entered into the covenant taken upon them, the name of Christ. So I like verse two. If you're going to do a study on baptism, you should be studying chapter three and you should be studying this up to chap verse two of chapter four. There's important things here. And even though it was long before baptism, even though it was long before uh, anyone was ever uh, put into water. I shouldn't say that, uh, at least in the book of Mormon, uh, that they were, uh, it put in water because John the Baptist was baptizing before Christ as well. They understood what baptism was here. It makes no mention that they were put into water, but that they made a covenant. Um, and now we hear the rest of there's a couple of verses I don't have highlighted, but it tells the end of the story of, of King Benjamin and he passes away and the last verse I have highlighted is verse 10. And he also talking of King Mosiah, he also himself did till the earth that thereby he might not be burdensome to his people that he might do according to that, which his father had done in all things. Uh, you could say train up a child in the way he will go. He will not depart from it. You could say uh, our, our leaders do not get paid. They have their own uh, uh, income that they, they're not Kings. He was, he was a, a minister position but he was also a king and even as a king and as a minister to the people he still worked for his own income you should not pay your ministry so there's another uh highlight there you could say king benjamin didn't king mosiah didn't either they did not take money from the church or from the people or from taxes for their own gain they may have done that for their kingdom but they didn't do it for their own uh, uh, personal gain so that they were not burdensome on the people. So that's the end of King Benjamin. His story was short and sweet. We get uh, the largest portion of it is uh, abridged. And he may have been the greatest history, uh, the greatest king in the history of the Book of Mormon. And we only get to know a little bit about it. That's kind of frustrating to me. But uh, so, so. I don't know, I shouldn't say it's frustrating, but I'm so glad that we got what we did about King Benjamin. And that's how we're going to end the study. You are there to free my soul from sin. And when I listen, I can softly hear you say, Come unto me, all ye that labor.
find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is Yoke is easy.